Welcome, and thank you for downloading Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Here at Movement, we are passionate about God's Word and helping each other move closer to God. Thank you for choosing to grow with us today. Good morning, Movement Church. Hope everybody's well. Did I scare you? (laughs) Hey, my name is Frank Dodson. Uh, If you don't know me or know me very well, uh, my wife Debbie and I have been uh, attending here, been a part of Movement for a little over a year. Um, I was blessed by the opportunity to serve as campus minister for Campus Christian Fellowship, which is easier to say CCF, uh, at UNC Chapel Hill for 22 years in the 90s, way back in the 90s, the 80s, and a little bit of the 2000s. Um, I also worked another eight years uh, for Campus Christian Fellowship uh, as the uh, state ministry director over the ministries that we have in the state. It's a little bit about me. It's good to see a, a good group of people here on this uh, Labor Day weekend. I'm sure a lot of people are traveling, and Bobby and his family uh, are away, as I'm sure you've gathered since I'm up here. Uh, but um, Bobby and his parents, Bobby Sr. and Sybil, are, uh, and, and Bobby's sister, Karina, are enjoying some time together uh, at the beach. And uh, if, if you're not aware, uh, Bobby's mom has been going through some health issues in the past, so it's a, it's a very important time for them to spend as a family. And um, let's just take a, a moment and pray that that time together is, is beautiful and a time uh, of great memories for Bobby and his family. Let's just take a moment. All right, thank you. Just remember them through the next days. We're going to be continuing our series that uh, Bobby has been doing on the book of Acts. And uh, I grew up in the church. I was in church as soon as I came home from the hospital, probably. And, uh, you know, back then it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, lots of times a week. And um, I don't think I really understood this title. Acts, Acts. You know, it's kind of a weird title for a book of the Bible. Uh, I'm not sure what I thought. You know, I, I learned the Bible books, you know, and I kind of knew what was in Acts as I grew, but it's still kind of a strange title, isn't it? Acts. Acts of what? You know, uh, what is that all about? It really means the actions, the actions. You know, we, we don't usually use the word just acts by itself that often, but actions, what they did there in the early church. I found out that it's, it, was kind of, it was kind of common for uh, people to refer to certain books in that time period as the acts, like the acts of Alexander the Great or the acts of Hannibal. Not that Hannibal, but Hannibal the Great from Carthage, okay? Uh, so it was sort of common, and, and we're not really sure what the book was first titled, um, but you know, saying the Acts of the Apostles kind of helps us a little bit know a little bit more about what it's uh, talking about. So is this book that we're studying, is it, the, is it all of the Acts of all of the Apostles? Probably not, because the Apostles did a lot more than could be put in uh, 28 chapters in our Bibles. 
So it's probably some of the acts of all the apostles. Probably so, because it does mention all the apostles. It mentions the 12 in the passage we're going to look at today, the 12 apostles, um, when Matthias was added to replace Judas. So it's probably a book about some of the acts of all the apostles. So who wrote the book of Acts? Anybody know? I heard Luke back there. Okay, Luke, great. Yeah, Luke. Uh, Luke was a very important person in the New Testament church, the beginning of the church. He had a gospel. He wanted to have a record of the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. He wrote Acts to give us an account of the early church, probably for about the first 30 years of the church, actually. And then it's also thought that Luke collected the letters of Paul, you know, like Galatians and Romans, 2 Corinthians. He collected those so that there was all those stages written down, the gospel, history of the church, and epistles or letters that Paul had. So Dr. Luke, he was a physician, was a very important person in uh, the early church, and we're thankful for him and his, his writings. So let's get to the text for today, chapter 6 of uh, Acts, and I think it'll be on the screen for you, uh, and you can follow on the screen or in your Bibles. Verse 1, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained that the Hebraic Jews were, um, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. I see that the translation that you're seeing says Hellenistic and Hebraic Jews. So these, um, we're going to talk about those in a little bit, just kind of explain who these people were and what the issue was. But let's first look at the idea that in those days the disciples were increasing. We find out in uh, Acts chapter 2 that there were 3,000 members of the church. Then in chapter 4, we're told there are 5,000 members of the church. Chapter 5, it just says they're increasing. Chapter 6, we're increasing more and more members of the church. And when we get to chapter 6, it's probably a couple years into uh, the church. It's about two years old. And scholars think that there's as many as 20,000 members of the church in Jerusalem. That's a pretty big church, isn't it? Can you imagine that? We've had, we've had a good number of baptisms this year. Can you imagine 20,000 baptisms in a matter of a couple years? Wouldn't that, be, wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be great? So we get a hint here in this first verse that um, there was a little international aspect to the church. There were a little hint that there's a little bit of a different culture going on that might have caused some issues. Uh, when I was at Chapel Hill as campus minister, um, we had a lot of dealings with international students. Um, and just a little pitch for campus ministry, there are thousands of international students from around the world on our campuses every year. There are over a million international students in our country every year. What an opportunity to reach them for Christ before they go back uh, to their countries. But that's, not, that's my commercial. But anyway, um, you know, we, we uh, helped out a Chinese student named uh, Yan Xu. I did a bunch of stuff with him and for him. But there's a particular man that uh, came our way that we helped. His name was Sutumo. 
from Japan. He was probably in his mid to late, thir- uh, mid to late 30s. Um, he had a wife and two young children at home in Japan. But he came to UNC because he wanted to study uh, Southern history. He was, Sutomo is and was a professor of American history in a Japanese university. So he wanted to come over and you know, get some firsthand experience uh, of what was going on. So you know, there were some cultural differences. Um, I've met him through a missionary friend. Uh, we helped him with transportation from the airport. We uh, found him a place to live next door to our campus ministry center in Chapel Hill. We let him use the laundry facilities, the kitchen. So it was, it was a really good relationship that we had with Satomo. But you know, there's cultural differences. There's things that come up sometimes. And um, some of them are funny. Sometimes they're not so funny. <laughs> but um, one particular event that I remember is uh, he was very look, looking forward to a seminar that he was sitting in on in the history department at UNC. He was just so excited about all these scholars. He was going to get to sit around a conference table with them, hear what they had to say about Southern history. And he was just really uh, looking forward to it. So we were both on campus that, that day and uh, in different places. And we were both coming back toward the campus house about the same time. And as I was heading toward the campus house, I saw him coming down a side street. So I waited for him so that we could walk together. So as he got a little closer, I looked at him and I thought, well, looks like he's got a sweatshirt on. And I knew he had gone to a thrift store to get some warmer clothing as fall came around. As he got closer, I thought, that's kind of a weird color. It's kind of pink or something, or rose-colored. I thought, well, okay. Got a little closer, I noticed that there were letters on it that were kind of paisley and flowery, you know, looking. I thought, okay. And he got close enough that I was able to read it, and it said, UNC Grandma. (laughs) So I'm like, oh boy, you know, uh, how do I handle this? So we walked back to the campus house, we called it the campus house, um, trying to think about what do I I say, should I just let it go, you know. (laughs) But you know, just knowing that he had been on campus with all these scholars, you know, I guess they never said anything to him. So on the front porch, I said, Satomo, um, I need to tell you something. Oh, yes, Frank, what, what is it? <laughs> so uh, I say, do you know what that, that means, your, your shirt? He goes, oh, I don't know. So that means grandmother, grandparent, grandmother. And he thinks a second. He goes, oh, this would, be, this would be worn by a woman. <laughs> I said, yes. He said, he said, well, I'll give it to my wife. Of course, his wife wasn't a grandmom either, but anyway. <laughs> Funny things happen sometimes when cultures mix. And um, we see here then in this first verse that there is a little friction, a little distraction going on in this great growing church that's, that's been unleashed. And 20,000 members are, are part of the church there in Acts. We see that there are um, Grecian widows and there are Hebraic widows and the Grecian widows think that they're not quite being taken care of well enough. And this, this word in that verse that says complain, uh, some translations say murmur. There's some murmuring going on. That's a word that's pretty poetic in that mo- murmuring. You kind of hear it, murmuring. Like the, da- the date cakes they gave me aren't quite as good as 
they gave those other widows, you know, or my olive oil's older than theirs, or I didn't get as much, or something like that. But um, it was an issue that was going on there in the church. So where did these, where did these Grecian believers come from? There were Greek Jewish Christians, Jews who lived around the world in the Greek society of the time. Greek was the universal language and the dominant culture even into the Roman period. So they were, they were Jews who lived around the world. Um, so they lived in a different culture. And then there are the Hebraic or Hebrew Christians who were from the Holy Land and they stayed in the Holy Land around Jerusalem. <clears throat> so you can see there was a little difference there and there was a little friction between those groups uh, because sometimes the homeland Christian Jews thought the others might have been compromising a little bit. So we have that going on and we, uh, well, where did, all these, where did all these people connect to the church? Well, if we look back to the beginning of the church, the day of Pentecost, we're told that there were people from all over the world there that day when Peter preached and 3,000 became Christians. So there were a couple more years uh, that people came back to Jerusalem for feasts, which the Jews often did. They came back to the homeland. So they came and they were exposed to this great thing called the church. They were so excited about it it was so awesome, the fellowship, the, uh, the taking care of each other, uh, the services that they had, that they wanted to stay in Jerusalem. They didn't go home. So they stayed in Jerusalem. And you can see when you have thousands of people doing that, there was, there was a lot going on. There was a lot of need uh, to be taken care of uh, by those people. They just enjoyed being there so much because as Jews... They believed that Jesus was the Messiah and that they can now be saved by grace through faith. So it was a great, a great thing, just an awesome time that they were having there in Jerusalem. And then the, the widows uh, in that culture, uh, widows had a, a very rough time because uh, women weren't respected that much. They couldn't get jobs that paid that much. Uh, so there was a great need of these, of these women there in the church. So we see that there's a little friction going on um, that might stop the church in its great growth. So let's go to the next verse, verse 2. Verse 2 says, So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. So it mentions the 12, the 12 apostles are there trying to lead the church the best that they can. There weren't uh, elders yet because the apostles were there. Elders came a little later. But I think what's important here is to notice that it doesn't seem that this, this issue between the widows from different groups, uh, it didn't seem to linger on very long, like a lot of complaining. It didn't fester long because somebody saw the wisdom that they should bring that issue to the leadership. And the apostles took hold of that and decided uh, to, to make uh, some kind of result, some kind of decision to help that situation. 
It says they didn't want to wait on tables. That doesn't mean they, they didn't like physical work, that they were above that. It just meant that they were doing the word. They were spreading the word. Remember last week, the apostles were persecuted. They were put in prison for spreading the word. They were beaten for spreading the word, but they did not stop uh, what they were doing. So let's go to the next verse, verse 3. It says, brothers, or brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. So the apostles knew that they had to solve this issue. They didn't want it to distract the church from being unleashed, from growing, from uh, even gaining more and more Christians there in Jerusalem. So their suggestion was, let's appoint seven men full of the Spirit, men who are holy and full of wisdom, who have practical wisdom and can make wise decisions uh, to take care of this situation. And notice that the apostles involved the whole church in this nominating of these, of these men. Um, that they got to look at who they had to choose from and suggest who might serve in this capacity. So the church is growing. And the church needed more workers. The church needed more people to pitch in and help uh, in, in that time. Uh, the church, a growing church is a team sport. A growing church needs people on the field playing and few people in the stands watching. And uh, this new need that came up with the widows uh, made room for other people to use their God-given gifts to help the church there in Jerusalem. In Romans 12, Paul uh, talks about people with abilities and gifts. We all have abilities and gifts and we should use them. Um, he likes the illustration of the body, the physical body. You know, God created our physical bodies, they're a marvelous thing. But when something goes wrong with the body, the body has many members, just like the church has many members. And when you lose a finger, it affects the body. When your ear, when your ears doesn't work, my wife says my ears don't work very well sometimes. But um, you know, when, when something goes wrong, you notice that your knee hurts, you know, it doesn't work very well anymore. And, um, you know, we, we notice that something's wrong. We notice that our body is not working as it should. And we say, I need to go to the doctor. You know, I'm sick. Something's wrong. I got to get this fixed so that my body can fully function. And that's the illustration Paul uses in, in uh, Romans about everybody has a part. Church is a team effort. There's, there's something for everyone to do. And in, in chapter 12 of Romans, Paul mentions a few gifts and talents. Um, and I think the list would probably be longer than what he listed, but he just stopped with just these few. Preaching, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving generously, leading, mercy, showing mercy. So see, there's something for everyone to do. And there's many other things that we can do in the body of Christ to help the church be growing. So the apostles showed great wisdom in this plan, nominate these men, and you know, we're gonna choose the right men, and we're gonna let them do the job. 
you know, we got other things to do. Here they are, they're gonna do the job. Then verse four, just a, a little uh, portion there. And we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Once again, that was their role. That was their primary thing that they were supposed to do um, for the church at that time. Let's go to chapter, or verse five. <clears throat> this proposal pleased the whole group. Everybody was happy. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicander, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. We know a lot about Stephen, and I'm sure Bobby's going to tell us more about Stephen next week. Uh, and we know quite a bit about Philip because he appears again in Acts, and it seems that these two fellows, Stephen and Philip, um, had some good talents and, and gifts because they, they are also uh, preachers and teachers in addition to uh, being uh, servants as, as these men are helping the widows. It's thought that both Stephen and Philip knew a lot about Jesus, that they probably followed Jesus for some time uh, when he was in his ministry on the earth, that they were part of the 70 people that Jesus sent out uh, to prepare the way for his coming to different towns so that the people would be prepared uh, to hear the gospel. People make a, a point that the, these men's names <clears throat> in verse 5 are actually Greek names, um, and they wonder, <clears throat> excuse me, if, if they were actually some of the Hebraic Jewish Christians. Um, but it was pretty common for people in that day to use their Greek name <clears throat> and their Hebrew name or their Jewish name. <clears throat> so it's not really, not really sure uh, where they were from and what their makeup was, but it seems that they did choose a variety of men to do this. Some were Greek or Grecian Jews, some were uh, Hebrew Jews from right there in the area. Um, and then we find out that <clears throat> Nicholas was actually not a Jew at all. <laughs> he was not born a Jew, but he was a, a Gentile that converted to Judaism. So great wisdom <clears throat> in the people that they appointed or wanting to appoint um, in that they represented the congregation and could help. Let's go on to verse six. <clears throat> they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. <clears throat> now, a lot of times we we refer to this passage as the creation of deacons for the church. Um, it's never, they're never called deacons here in this passage, but it certainly sounds like they were functioning uh, as deacons as we know. And of course, in the New Testament, that, that uh, term and, and that uh, job became more and more uh, defined even with qualifications, additional qualifications for deacons. But the word deacon means servant. 
a deacon is a servant. And, um, you know, sometimes maybe the church has changed that meaning a little bit uh, in how we function today. So the, the 12 ordained them for the task. And they laid hands on them and prayed for them. And we know that in that time, the early church, that apostles, the apostles, in the laying on of hands could actually bestow miraculous gifts to people as well. And it seems that those people who got the gifts from the apostles couldn't bestow them to anybody else, but only the apostles could do that. And we'll see next week that uh, Stephen had uh, some of those gifts. Let's go to verse 7. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests were obedient to the faith. Harmony, harmony in the church caused more growth. They took care of the problem, and more growth came, more than 20,000. It seems that Satan loves to leash the church. You know, we're talking about the church unleashed. He likes to leash the church with problems, uh, difficulties that distract us from the main goal of the church, is to win the world. Um, Satan tries to leash us personally, you know, get us distracted, uh, have our minds on something else besides what the Lord wants us to do. We notice that just in these two chapters that we talked about last week and this week, that he put several distractions uh, up to the church. Remember Ananias and Sapphira, they were proud and they, they lied about that they gave all of the proceeds of their land to the church. A distraction, it caused turmoil there for a little bit. The last week, the uh, apostles being persecuted and beaten, uh, another distraction. And then conflicts like the one we've talked about today can be a distraction. But the early church, as we see, remained unleashed and great growth continued. I hope that uh, movement can do the same thing. Um, And then a great number of priests became obedient to the faith. Do you realize how important that is? How interesting that is? A priest. There were thousands of priests probably in Jerusalem because that's where the temple was. That's where they did the sacrifices. That's where they did the services at the temple. And these guys were priests. But they realized that Jesus Christ was the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. Okay? You realize what that did to them? They put themselves out of a job by being obedient to the faith. No more sacrifices in the temple if if Jesus is the ultimate in sacrifice. And it probably um, also took away their livelihood because priests were taken care of by the proceeds and gifts given to the temple. So out of a job, out of money. But this shows the great faith that they had um, because they believe that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God, the ultimate sacrifice. So I think a lesson we can gain from that uh, is that 
We never know who God is working on. We never know who God is preparing to receive the gospel. You know, the early Christians probably thought the priests would be the last people that would be ready to accept the gospel because of all the trouble they had with the leadership of the, of the Jewish nation. Um, but these men were ready and they responded. In concluding uh, these thoughts, I have some uh, takeaways I think will be on the screen. Uh, just some things to think about, um, summary statements that I hope that you'll consider uh, today and maybe the week ahead. You know, last week, Bobby talked about his dreams of, um, for, for, for Movement Church, the things he would hope that we have someday, um, things that would unleash this church on Nightdale in this part of the triangle. And I think if we take these statements, these things that we've learned from chapter six, that um, it'll really help movement be unleashed and do great things. I don't know if we have that slide. Do we have that slide? Takeaways? Is it up there? Okay, there we go. Number one, be sensitive to the needs of all members. You know, we saw that some members were being neglected or thought they were. So that's something the church needs to do. Number two, handle issues with the correct spirit. Take it to the leadership. If there's an issue, uh, let's deal with it properly. Let's take it to the leadership and let their wisdom help us solve that issue. Number three, church is a team sport. There is a ministry for everyone. Where do you fit in? What can you do to contribute to the church to make it stronger, make it grow? Number four, involve the congregation in decisions uh, when it's necessary. You know, we can't involve the congregation in every decision that uh, comes before the church, but sometimes it's wise to involve the congregation. Number five, when members are unleashed, the church continues to grow. Number six, those who are ready to accept the gospel will surprise you sometimes. You know, maybe it's your, your neighbor, maybe it's a, a relative, maybe somebody you work with that you think they will never listen to what I have to say about Jesus. Uh, they'll be the hardest person ever to reach, but you never know. Maybe God has prepared that person to hear uh, your testimony about Jesus. And number seven, Satan wants to leash the church. We're gonna stand and sing our closing song and I, I hope that you'll um, think about these takeaways from this passage in Acts 6, um, that it will help this church um, be unleashed and do great things here in the Nightdale area. Let's stand. Thank you for listening to Movement Christian Church's sermon podcast. Want to learn more about us? You can do that by visiting our website at movementchristianchurch.com or on our app available on iOS and Android devices under Movement NC.